Britt Young from Corsair Capital is going to talk a little bit about private equity. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal. Navy Federal has a mission to put your members first by making their financial goals a priority. You can receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions. It's open to active duty military, the DOD, veterans, and their family members. Navy Federal is proud to serve over 8 million members, including over 1 million veterans and their families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash VeteranMove for more information. All right, we're talking with Navy veteran Britt Young from Corsair Capital. So, Britt, before we get to talking about business and entrepreneurship, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Navy. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I was actually in a pretty unusual position of being a, a ground intel officer in the Navy, um, which, of course, was very much a function of the time and the, and the conflict at the time where we had these two you know, huge wars going on. And, yeah, you know, I think when everyone was kind of focused on that. So it was, it was, it was interesting because I never spent a day on a ship and was in the Navy. So you don't, you don't, you know, it definitely like kind of a function of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, how, how long, how long were you in the Navy and, um, eventually when you got out, what was your transition like? Yeah. So I commissioned at 07. So right into the, you know, surge stuff, um, kind of the height of, that the, the counterinsurgency is going mm-hmm. stuff is going to save this war and then got out in in 2012 which is when we were kind of fumbling around with you know maybe maybe that's this isn't working or, or or whatever so um you know my transition was was a was a bit hasty to put it lightly um i did not i, I would not say i enjoyed my my second deployment downrange and I knew I wanted to get as far and as fast away from the mess I'd gotten myself in. Um, so I, I didn't have a plan, which I obviously don't recommend to folks. But uh, but in some ways, uh, I I would recommend the dis, the decisiveness of it. Um, There's kind of this tale of um, of Cortez before the Battle of Veracruz. And there's Cortez is this like Spanish explorer type who's like pillaging and trying to spread Catholicism or whatever. And so he's like gonna go do like this big battle against the Incans or the Mayans or somebody, like and way outnumbered and all that. And so half of his men, or more than half, I think, were just like, Look, we, we got ships, we need to like get out of here. And so Cortez, you know, kind of famously, you know, with a with a couple of his loyalists goes and burns the, the ships in the middle of the night. So, uh, you know, his men didn't have much of a choice and, and, and it turns out that it worked out pretty well for Cortez and and not so well for the indigenous people of South America. Um, but obviously that, that action really made it a one way street. You know, the only way you're going to get out of here is if we, if we fight. And I think that was sort of my attitude. And I think that's, you know, not really related to having a plan. It just related to your level of commitment, uh, and in your headspace. And, and I don't have really any great tips on how to manufacture that other than um, to say that if you if you can believe that this is the most important 
career change of your life, if you can get in that survivalist mentality, you know, I've seen veterans make transitions that frankly, they just had no business making. I've, I've, I've seen veterans run businesses. They had no, I mean, you look on paper, it's like, how is this guy doing this? So that, that I think that is the key for, for me, at least, you know, my, my view of the, the, the key attribute across veterans that have become entrepreneurs that really knocked out of the park is just this mentality of like, I'm going forward and, and this is, and, and it's not desperation, but it's certainly, um, you know, decisiveness. So I was lucky to have that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and sometimes, sometimes the same things that make veterans great entrepreneurs are also the same thing that make veterans, you know, end up driving off the cliff. Um, they're, they're completely confident in themselves or abilities and they know they're never going to quit until they succeed. So they just keep going forward, but they, they fail to realize some of the indicators and things that are going on around them and, and some of the things that they're blind, they don't know what their blind spots are. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially in the, in the areas of bookkeeping and accounting, finance, financial statements, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you start asking somebody about their business and they can't even answer basic cash flow questions or yeah. pricing, uh, pricing questions and things like that. So, um, how was how is it you eventually, you know, did you go right into, you know, capital management out of the Navy or did you? I, w- I went into, I worked at a company called Palantir, which at the, which is, I think, somewhat well known now. But at the time, no one had really heard of it outside of the DOD space. And I was just lucky enough to have used the software as an Intel guy. And so I kind of knew they existed. And that was kind of on my roadmap map of folks that I talk to I mean, my, my goal my transition plan was really simple it was like go talk to everybody that you can that has a job that's a civilian mm-hmm. just ask them what they do like they go to work every day and so that that was the that was the plan you know not the plan i recommend for folks but i think there's an element of like of intellectual curiosity that veterans could could use um when they're in the transition and um and so yeah i've got a job at a company that really understood where i understood the product really well in fact i understood the product better than most people that work there because the product was kind of meant for this intel use case um and so that was you know that was like a i got really lucky i'm not not gonna make any characterization that i had a great plan to get there but i i you know what i did know I, i interviewed at a bunch of places and it was pretty clear to me that that was the place I wanted to be when I, when I walked in the building and talked to those folks. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say, like, it's hard for me to, in good, in, you know, in good conscience, tell a veteran, like, you know, trust your gut. But sometimes it's just so obvious when there's a fit or not a fit, you, you kind of have to pay attention to those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of veterans that they're, they're desperate, you know, coming out of the military and oh, they, yeah. they grab the first job that's willing to hire them without even thinking about whether it's a right fit or not. Cause you know, oftentimes in the military, we're, we don't get the choice as to what the next duty station is or what your next job's going to be. So we're, we're used to that mentality of just, I'm just going to show up and whatever the job I get is the job I'm going to start executing on. But when, yeah. you, when you're becoming a civilian, you have more choice in the matter and you need to be aware of that and start trying to, you know, control those choices. Yeah, I was. T- I t- it reminds me I had this email exchange with a, f- a friend of mine that I went to school with, and he was a he was a Marine Corps officer, and we were catching up, kind of reconnecting. And uh, he was going through his transition. I'd already kind of gotten out, been out for a while. And he said he made this comment. He said, "I just kind of wish that my detailer would tell me where to go next." 
and it was it just evoked such a strong reaction in me i, I just felt so much you know compassion uh you know just understanding where he'd been you know that confusion and just wanting to be told what to do next and then and um and i and i thought you know what a what a great way to say it and 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 how you know how vulnerable he must have and he was actually felt. referring to he was for those of you that don't know the detailer is the guy who does assignments for navy officers you know who's where they're going next but uh, call him monitor in the marine corps you know, i'm not sure what they call him in the army but um he he wasn't really referring to what military job he was going to next he was getting uh-huh. out he was getting yeah. out and he was asked and he was saying i wish the detailer would tell me where to go next in my civilian job yeah, it was it was really it was a really candid comment and wow. very self aware and I, I just you know I just feel I just have so much compassion for you know and, and this is you know, we, we're kind of in this environment right now where you, there's a lot of chaos you know and I I felt a lot of chaos when I was getting out and I you know kind of thought about I was thinking about kind of right now mm-hmm. like if I was in vet getting out right now like what would I how would I be thinking about that you know the first one of the first things I remember doing was. Um, cause I just like didn't have a plan. I, I lived on my, my best friend's couch, um, because I didn't have to pay rent cause he was my best friend and, uh, I could sleep there. Um, and he had a job. And so that was one way to kind of cut costs for me and, and extend my runway. And so in these, in the times of kind of turmoil and chaos where you, you know, typically there's a, there's a cash flow crunch, right? Whether you're in business or personally, mm-hmm. One of the first things you, you, you kind of have to do is is get a, get at your head around your capital position. Like you can't you can't fight a battle unless your people are fed, or I don't know what the analogy is. But like you got to have you have to have money to to just like exist in our society. So that was, I was you know I, I was thinking about that today. I was like, well, I was getting out. What would I what would I be doing? And I think it's kind of going back to my experience. One of the things I did well was put yourself in a financial position. Where you're, you know, maybe it's not a good one, but you can extend your runway, uh, and and the and the thing that you can control almost always is is your your costs. Uh, so, I think that's a, a huge piece. And then and the second piece I was thinking about was, you know, just finding an anchor, some semblance of stability somewhere, and it can be, you know, it could be your family, it could be your health, it can be um, your routine, you know, anything that gives you the illusion of control that I think is just so important for everyone. Yeah. Um, so when the world's blowing up around you, you have, you know, that small little thing that that's, that, that no one can take from you. I think that's immensely important kind of to keep your, yourself in the right headspace. So you don't, you know, as you said, you know, a lot of that's kind of take the first thing that got coming for them. If you're, if you're not anchored, if you, if you don't have some stability, you're not going to be in a good headspace to evaluate to evaluate opportunities. And I think if I had been writing a rent check every month, I, I would have been working at a, as an Amazon fulfillment dude in a warehouse. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great job for the right person, for my personality, just given how my interpersonal, like my level of whatever, it, you know, my, I just don't like love being around people for 14 hours a day and doing that like three meter leadership stuff. Like that would have been terrible. It would have been terrible for Amazon. It would have been terrible for me. It would have been terrible for the people that were working with me. It would terrible for everyone. So I, was, I think one of the things I did right, I didn't do many things right, but one of them was was being able to cut my costs and, ha- and get that semblance of stability. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
Within a few months when I first joined the Marine Corps, I became a Navy Federal member. That was over 29 years ago, and I still have the same account after 29 years. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals a priority. You can receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions. A credit card APR average that is 4% lower than the industry's. Member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and perks. Access to over 300 branches and thousands of fee-free ATMs. They also have 24-7 live support through their U.S.-based call center. Navy Federal is open to active duty military, the DOD, veterans, and their family members. Navy Federal is proud to serve over 8 million members, including over 1 million veterans and their families. At Navy Federal Credit Union, their members are the mission. Visit NavyFederal.org slash VeteranMove for more information. That's NavyFederal.org slash VeteranMove for more info. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Our back talk with Navy veteran Britt Young with uh, Corsair Capital. So, Britt, one of the things, uh, Corsair Capital is actually um, a private equity fund. You, you know, you guys you guys buy businesses and then you try to make them better, and then you might you might sell them after you've made them better and increased uh, increased revenue margin and all that. So, when you're looking to buy a business. You know, one of the main things you're always looking at. Let me see. You know, let me see the cash flow statements and all the financial statements, and the spreadsheets and everything else. So, in 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 dealing with looking at evaluating businesses for the purpose of purchasing them, how often are you? How often does it come to light that um, a business hasn't really structured themselves properly to set themselves up for a good sale? And and, and I asked I asked that in the context of if you're a, a, a young, fledgling entrepreneur running a small business at this point, you might want to consider how you're, how you're doing your books, how you're doing your accounting, and how you're structured for the long game because somewhere on down the road, you may want to have an exit. And if you've run things the wrong way the whole time, it's going to make it very difficult to sell. Yeah, I think that's a, I agree with almost everything you said there. It's, uh, I think at this size that we transact at, you know, we're very fortunate to have very professional management teams. And, um, you know, oftentimes we're buying a company from another, um, you know, that's owned by another private equity firm. So those, those folks will probably have cleaned up the structure and whatnot, but yeah, absolutely. You're, you're going to see some weirdness. Um, and, and I, I, I don't mean this like in, in any sort of derogatory way. You, people are just, you know, when you make decisions running a business, you're doing the best you can. Um, and, and you're not always operating with a lot of information. And so a lot of those decisions sometimes end up being decisions that you regret later on because you just didn't know. And so the things I think you're referring to are when you're a young company, whether it's a startup or a small business or whatever you want to call it, sometimes there's decisions around, you know, one corporate structure, you know, do, am I, should I be an LLC or an S corp or a C corp? Um, you know, where are you, where you register the company as an, as a Delaware Seep Corp is a Delaware LLC. Um, and then how do you think about, you know, yeah, the, the accounting or the bookkeeping? Um, is this, you know, is this legible um, for someone that wants to come in and, and be a part of your story? Um, at, at, the, at the firm I'm at, we're very lucky to have you know, really great investment professionals that can look through the books and get a good sense of what's going on, even in a very complex business. Um, but you know, you. I think as an operator, you have to think at some point. 
that you want to make it easier, make it easy for people that want to participate in your story financially to do so. And so the, you know, the first step I think is, I actually think lenders are pretty good at this. Like if you go to a lender and, and say, Hey, you know, I want some sort of line of credit. It can just be a revolver. It doesn't really matter. They're going to ask some of those questions. Um, and that can be a forcing function. Uh, cause you, you don't want to get in a, a situation where you're like future proofing, where it's like, I'm a six months old startup and I'm trying to prepare my company to IPO. Like you don't want to get too far down that road. I and mean, then there's a, there's probably a seduction to do that. <laughs> but, but I think as a, as a matter, this is very tactical advice and I apologize to folks if this is like too technical here, but you know, if you're running a business, you know, one way to kind of see where you are and where it needs to be is in terms of, of, of the financials is to go, you know, to go to a bank and, and ask for a loan. And if they look at your books and they look what's going on and, and they can't understand what's going on, then, you know, that's not a good sign. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that has a tactical outcome. That's very nice. It's like, you're going to get some credit out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of forces and it, and it allows you to kind of see, Hey, where you are. And, and, and obviously bankers look at businesses all day long so that they can also help you and they can be very candid about, well, you know, we'd like to see this, this way or that, you know, that way. And, and sometimes, and, you know, hopefully most of those things are just really, you know, uh, you know kind of a process, change in process and doesn't affect the business in any kind of substantive way. It doesn't change the operations of the day to day. You know, hopefully sometimes, you know, you have to, you know, that's when it gets controversial is when you're trying to, you know, being, there's a thing, there's a regulation called Sarbanes-Oxley. If you're trying to be Sarbox compliant, that's a whole other rodeo. So that's why I say, you know, don't, you don't need to future proof it but it is good to kind of check in. Um, and then at the appropriate time, obviously you want to bring in a CFO and, and that's a great, a good CFO can really help, a, uh, you know, operators like think about their business in the right way. And, and they can get not, not just allow you to with financing, that's just kind of table stakes, but they can also help you um, help you make budgeting decisions and say, Hey, are you thinking about the return on, you know, limited amount of, of, of money, a little bit limited amount of capital, are we thinking about allocating this in a sane way or in a, in a you know, systematic and, and thoughtful way? Yeah. Um, yeah. So apologies if that was you know, a little technical, but I, I no, think not at all. Just what you said was, was absolutely right. You want to keep in mind some of these decisions, they have, have more far reaching effects than one would probably like. Yeah. Well, m- most, you know, solopreneurs and, and really small business owners with only a handful of employees, you know, let's face it, most entrepreneurs, business people, most of them are not bookkeepers or accountants. If they were, they'd probably still be a bookkeeper or an accountant. So, but oftentimes, I see it all the time. And if even you know, early on, I was made the mistake myself: is you disregard good bookkeeping and sound accounting practices to just to be out on the forefront and running running your business. You know, big blue arrow, wave top, and I don't have time to go enter transactions and things like that. So it's easy, easy, you know, and then a year or two down the road, you still, those habit patterns you started at the very beginning carry through for several years. And next thing you know, you've got real good revenue and, and, and running a real good business. It's making money, but your books are in shambles um, or just not being tracked properly. So it, it, now you, now you have to clean up a bigger mess than if you had been doing it correctly, you know, from the, from early on. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, 
this episode is going to re- not releasing for a few more weeks. So who knows what the state of the coronavirus economy may be at that point, but I'm sure it's not going to be a whole lot better than it is now. What, what kind of things come to mind, you know, when you're speaking to entrepreneurs and small business owners out there in the current economic state that, that we're dealing with right now? Yeah, I think, you know, what I'm not really qualified to talk about a pandemic, but I'm, I think I'm somewhat qualified to talk about financial cycles and how to operate within them. Um, you know, we're, I think it's a pretty decent assumption that we'll have a recession, something akin to the recession we had in 1957 or whatever. And, um, and that's going to, things change, you know, and really, really, uh, and we've been on a 10 year bull market run. And, um, and so people kind of forget that there's cycles to these things and, we're being reminded of that. And so I think there's a couple of things that I mentioned before having that anchor uh, and having that runway is kind of step zero. Um, but then, you know, really reminding yourself that if this is the time where there's going to be a lot of mispriced risk, um, and there's technical ways to, to express that mispriced risk in terms of volatility in the market, volatility in derivatives markets. But I think even philosophically, it's, it's a, it's just a kind of a core tenet. There's going to be people that, um, there's going to be a lot of people that have beliefs that are uh, about the future that are far more extreme than what the future holds. Um, you know, recent example, it, you know, maybe two weeks ago or last, I think last week, was in the municipal bond market, and you know, municipal municipals municipalities have great cash flow because they can tax people and. Uh, you know, the, what the market was showing was just they were treating it like a toxic asset. And that, and that was a, you know, it's a, it's a small example, but it's a good example of the kind of thing that happens in this kind of environment where you, even amongst very sophisticated people, they were looking at a municipal bond, which is these great cash flows and saying, oh, I, you know, I don't want this asset <laughs> or, you know, I, I wanted this crazy price. And so it's, it, it, there's going to be that for everything for all sorts of things and, and not just and if not even just for buying things um you know venture capitalists love to talk about how the best founders and the best entrepreneurs kind of come out of the woodwork and the signal-to-noise ratio was much higher in, in in the lean times um and, and that's probably true you know you there's not going to be a, a horde of people um you know it takes a little bit more chutzpah uh, if you will to to, to go all out on your own in this time. But you have to remember that there was, you know, really a, a ton of great companies that have been founded in the lean times. And even outside of technology, you think in oil oil and gas, for example, you know, the, the shale revolution happened really right in the middle of a recession. And um, so, so I think you have to really hold it as a core tenant that, that there's going to be a lot of mispriced risk and there's going to, and there are, there are opportunities. Um, and that's not, like toxic positivity and you know some sort of hallmark hallmark feel good stuff. That's that's a thing that's been true in every crisis that we've ever had. There's there's always been. Um, there's I was someone was reminded the other day of this term the list the lipstick effect, which mm-hmm. was during the uh, Great Depression. It was they noticed that sales on lipstick went way up, um, and the reason was that women couldn't afford makeup and and they couldn't. Um, you know, afford to keep themselves in the way that they might like, and but they could afford lipstick, so they would 
just use a little bit more lipstick. And so that that effect is is true in, in every crisis and every downturn and every crunch. And and so I think I think for entrepreneurs and for folks out there that are not entrepreneurs, just trying to do their best, you know, just remember that this is this is this is a a, um, a time of opportunity. Um, but you, but you have to look at you can't be looking where everyone else is looking. You know if you're if you're glued to Fox News or MSBC, MSNBC or CNN or Bloomberg or whatever, you're glued to the thing that everyone else is looking at, you're going to, guess what, you know, we're not that unique as human beings. We're, we're going to have the same emotional reactions. Um, I was reminded of this very recently. I was in uh, Zion mm-hmm. National Park, one of these, which is just an amazing place. It's really our national treasure. And, uh, and anyway, I was on this hike, which is a very, very popular hike called Angel's Landing. I was kind of overhearing all these people on the hike. And it was like the same four jokes. Like people people were making the same like four jokes about like, oh, wouldn't it suck to fall here? Oh, am I going to get coronavirus from touching this pole or something? It, you know, so if, if you think, you, you know, if you think you're going to read the Wall Street Journal and, and have some great insight, well, guess what, you know? Everyone else is doing the same thing. So really think critically about the input of what, what you're of what you're ingesting. What you know, curate that and, and because you can't expect to have a, a different view if you're looking at the same data. It's just very difficult. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hopefully hopefully I'm not wrong and uh, and this isn't the apocalypse, but I think it's you know, I think we'll probably get through this and it's just going to be a lot of suffering, unfortunately, in the meantime. Yeah, it's definitely going to take a while to come back. So, um, so Britt, if you're if you're talking to the young budding entrepreneur still in the military on their way out, um, military spouse looking to start their own business, you know, here we're we're we might, we're definitely entering into different economic times. As far as you know, entrepreneurship and business ownership, what kind of advice would you have for them? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if they're, if they, if they want to go out into this environment, they've got a lot of respect from me. You know, I think it takes a lot of guts. Um, so I, you know, I would, it depends what they're trying to do, but I think I'd just say, try, try to, uh, I mean, it, 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 yeah, I would take, I mean, look, <laughs> maybe this is recency bias, but if, if you're trying to start a business today, like really, you know, human to human, heart to heart, good on you. Like you're, you're, you're a better person than me. And, um, yeah, I think, I think you have to be aggressive about, you know, keeping being disciplined around cost and how, how quickly can you, how quickly can you do something, um, without burning through a bunch of money. Um, right. I think I would just say, yeah, without knowing the business, you, you know, consider, consider locations that aren't, you know, San Francisco and New York and places where you're going to spend a lot of money just to like exist. Um, you know, look, try to find non-traditional funding sources. Um, you know, again, recency bias here, but, there's a bunch of SBA um, 
Small Business Administration kind of financing that the president has authorized. And so maybe that's an interesting avenue. Do you know uh, much you about just, that it, yourself, the, the SBA business loan system, especially in the, in the midst of the you know economic disaster? I know he that was one of the first things he came out with was he's authorizing the SBA to start processing disaster loans. Yeah. Well, there's, there's different flavors of SBA and, you know, what he's authorized is more of a keep a business alive type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not meant for kind of acquisitions or, or fundraising per se, but I, I think it, you know, without getting, again, I'm afraid I'm being too technical here, but you know, at a very high level, the SBA comes along with a personal guarantee. So that means that you're, you are the company and the company is you. And so that, you know, if you know, kind of like 101 of creating a company is, is that it tries to limit the liability, right? So it's called a limited liability corporation, right? LLC. That's the point of, of, of it. And, and so in some ways you're kind of defeating the purpose of even having a corporation. If you take a personal guarantee, take a PG, but right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's not all a liability, right? It's the financial liability. If someone you know gets hurt or whatever, it doesn't come back on you, as far as I know. Um, so, so yeah, I think you have to be like those are the types of financing um, flavors of financing that you have to consider in this environment if you're an entrepreneur. It's um, it's just a little. I mean, this is this is a it's just a different environment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Britt, uh, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, you know, if somebody wants to look you up, uh, make contact with you, Corsair Capital, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, I've got a blog that I uh, post to and uh, have a contact form. It's called, it's Britt, uh, it's my first and last name, .il. So Britt Young, .il. Post uh, some of my thoughts there and uh, some recipes some resources as well for vets and I've got a, hung on that one of the pages there. So feel free to check that out and um, reach out if you, if you want to talk. All right. All right. Well, sounds great. Thanks Britt uh, for sharing your personal story. And uh, you know, we're definitely, uh, definitely some interesting, possibly some tough times ahead of us. So, uh, you know, good luck in the venture capital world and, uh, you know, look forward to your future success. Yeah. Likewise. All right. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>